Greetings to you in the name of the Lord. We're so delighted to be able to be with you today. We've heard a lot about you for a long time, and uh, we've known Mark and Lauren, and we're happy that they're up by us now, actually, but uh, I know I'm sure you felt a big loss there. The Lord has blessed you. Uh, You're going to learn that, if you haven't already, with an amazing pastor. You know, I get to see kind of the crop come through Nazarene Theological Seminary, and your pastor is one of the best and one of the best students I've had. So we're big Pastor Jenny fans. We're also big, and Pastor Mark fans too. We're big on, and Coco fans too. We're big on Coco. So, but so good to be able to be with you today. It's the second Sunday of of Advent, as has been noted. And um, I know that in the Advent devotional that I think you've been working along with as a church, the focus this week on the theme of love was around Psalm 85. So you may have spent some time there. We're going we're gonna to get there. But this morning, I'd actually like to f- uh, set our thinking together in the Old Testament text for this second Sunday of Advent. And that's found in the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 40. So if you want to join me there, and I think the words will be up for us as well as we hear it together. But Isaiah chapter 40, and we're just going to read together the first 11 verses of this text. I'm not sure what your custom is here, but um, I would invite you, as you're willing and able, to stand with me in honor of God's Word as we hear, because this is the most important thing that happens. You know, we're we're about to hear the Word of the Lord. We serve a God who speaks, and God speaks to us by the power of the Spirit through His written Word so that it becomes a living Word for us. So, Isaiah 40, verse 1, hear now the Word of the Lord. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her in full for all of her sins. Now listen, I hear the voice of someone shouting, Make a highway for the Lord through the wilderness. Make a straight, smooth road through the desert for our God. Fill the valleys, level the hills, straighten out the curves, smooth off the rough spots. And then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. And a voice said, shout. And I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like grass that dies away. Their beauty fades as quickly as the beauty of the flowers in the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. And so messengers of good news shout to Zion from the mountaintops, shout louder to Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. That's the Advent message, by the way. Your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in all his glorious power, and he's going to rule with awesome strength. See, he brings his reward with him when he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. And he will gently lead the mother sheep 
with their young. So let's see how you do. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Thank you. Please be seated. Well, there's a man who uh, went for his annual checkup, and after he had done that, he received a phone call from his physician a few days uh, later, and the doctor said, glad to be able to get a hold of you. I'm afraid that I'm calling to give you some very bad news. What's the news? Well, the doctor said, I don't know how to tell you this, but you only have about 48 hours to live. Well, that is bad news, said the shocked patient. But the doctor went on, I'm afraid that I have even worse news. The man said, what could be worse than what you've just told me? The doctor said, I've been trying to call you since yesterday. (laughs) Now, come on, you got to love a good dad joke to start out the second Sunday of Advent, right? I actually thought about that story that I heard many years ago when I was working with this text from Isaiah because it's all about announcements and how we receive announcements. We, we, our lives are filled with announcements, aren't they? I mean, they just come to us constantly. Every time we turn on the TV or just check our phones, we're bombarded with announcements. Sometimes that little ding noise gets our attention at the least opportune times. We even heard announcements here this morning. Somebody told me that they visited a church recently where a full like 30 minutes were devoted to the announcements because they just got up and said, anybody have an announcement to share? How'd you like to try that, pastor? Well, so some announcements, announcements are of different kinds, aren't they? Some announcements are shocking, some are joyful, some are kind of minor, some are life-changing. You're fired. We're moving you to the Houston office. I'm sorry, it's cancer. Daddy, I'm pregnant. I'm leaving. You've just won a million dollars. Announcements. And one of the interesting things to me about announcements is that many of them spring us into action. One of the dangers in a culture like ours where we just get announcements fed to us all the time is we get desensitized to them. And so even kind of big news sometimes just hits us sort of flat. But announcements are are often meant to spring us into action. They call for, sometimes even demand, a response. Well, this season of Advent that we're celebrating was initiated by an announcement. An announcement that moves us to the need for a response. That's what the prophet Isaiah is talking about in this text that we've just heard together this morning. Now, let me just, let me do a little kind of seminary professor work with you. Is that okay? And just try to set the stage a little bit historically for kind of what's, where's this coming from? What's really going on here? Israel was living in a time of barrenness. So barrenness is a major part of what's going on in the whole story of Advent. You might remember, as Luke tells us this story, he begins with the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, these two precious people, followers of God, who were in a place of barrenness. They couldn't have an heir, couldn't have a child. And they received, as Luke opens his story, the glad announcement of a baby that's going to come. Totally unexpected to them, and yet a glad announcement in their lives. It's that baby 
the one we later come to call John the Baptist, who will actually pick up these words of Isaiah as he begins to preach, preparing the way for Jesus to come. But this nation, these chosen people, thinking about the people of Israel, that were so blessed in so many ways, so cared for by God, now find themselves in a desert place. God had brought them out of slavery. He had established them in a new promised land. He put them into this place where they became a thriving nation. I mean, they came out of 400 years of oppression, 400 years of slavery, and God delivered them from that. And we get that amazing story, especially all through the book of Exodus. But they... They lived in cities that they did not build. They drank from vineyards they did not plant. They enjoyed the food and all of the bounty of that area that was just given to them by God. The land was an amazing sign of God's covenant love for them. But something went really wrong. Because in the midst of God's amazing blessing and provision for them, drawing them up, and what God was doing was he wanted to demonstrate in the life of this people called Israel, God wanted to demonstrate through them something about God's covenant love, about how his love actually works to redeem and restore and renew us. He meant for them to become a living sign to the whole world of what that love looks like, and yet, it didn't take very long for them to begin to forget and disobey and go their own way and try to secure their own lives. And the consequences of all of that proved to be utterly devastating. The prophets warned them. They tried. That's a lot of what we have in what we call the Old Testament is the prophets trying to sound the warning, saying, this is not what God intended. We're going to end up in trouble if we keep going down this trail. But in fact, God's judgment was in one sense expressed through the people of Babylon that in 587 BC came and just totally destroyed and sacked Jerusalem, burned it to the ground. We can almost kind of imagine in the news feeds today, the images of what that might look like. And Israel's leaders at the time, along with a lot of the people, were taken into exile. They left that beautiful land and left it desolate and destroyed, a barren wasteland. And it's not a short barrenness. That's the thing. This wasn't something they were just going to get past in a, a few months. In fact, it wasn't even 40 years. A lot of times in the Bible, things happen in 40-year cycles. This was a 70-year exile when they found themselves in this place where a whole young generation then came into being that had no memory of home. They, were, they really weren't raised up in that whole story of what God had called up this people to be and to do. They, they didn't really know anything about it. They only heard stories about the land flowing with milk and honey as the prophets put it, 70 years, 70 years, that's a long time. It's a long time to wait for an announcement from God, truly a lifetime. And while these people wait for a word of forgiveness and mercy from God, they became tempted just to give it up altogether. 
just to give up hope. Maybe it's too late, they thought. Maybe we've gone too far this time because there'd been, you know, times when God tried to get their attention before. But now they're thinking, maybe we ought to just give up the dream. Maybe this is just going to be life for us in this place of barrenness and exile. Maybe we just got to get on with it. And that's the tone that we get in verses 6 and 7 of what we read together this morning. That's the cry out, I said. Well, what should I cry? And that's where we get this image of all the people are like grass. Their glory is like flowers of the field. The grass withers. The flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely people are grass. You ever feel like your life sometimes has just been reduced to so much grass? <laughs> Here today, gone tomorrow. That, that's what the image is trying to illustrate. Just the way it's, it's here today, gone tomorrow. It just comes and goes. Sometimes life can feel that way. It can feel that uncertain. It can feel that fragile to the point where sometimes things develop to the place that we think it's just not really good for, what's the point of going on? It's not, it's just not good for anything anymore. And the truth is, that's actually a description of the entire human condition. It's, it's no wonder that so many of the people that you and I encounter every day, and if the truth be told, maybe sometimes even you and me, feel this general sense of malaise and wondering, <laughs> is that all there is? Is this really where life is going and what it's about? We all are there at one time or another. Barrenness, wilderness. And we might think that somehow through our efforts, through you know, living good lives, being good boys and girls, doing everything God tells us to do and trying to do all the right things, that maybe we can kind of secure life on our own. But until we learn what it means to secure our lives only and fully in the security that God himself offers to us. We're in a place of real hopelessness. That's why this season comes around for us every single year. That's why this season of Advent is important for us as followers of Jesus because it's reminding us of what the heart of this message is really all about. I know we get all wrapped up in celebrating, you know, the baby Jesus and all of that and the sentimental wonder and it's just so precious and all of that. And that's all good. It's all good. It's all part of it. But don't forget, don't forget that this good news of a fresh start is coming to a people whose lives are fairly burned out. That There's not a lot of hope left here. And here comes the announcement, verses 1 and 2 comfort. It starts right there. That's a good word, comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. Here's the point, friends. The way that we can ever move from a place of barrenness, a place of depression, to a place of life and joy. The only way that can happen is if God could do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. See, the, the lie that sometimes 
the world in which you and I live feeds us is that we can kind of figure this out, that we have resource, that we have capacity, that if we just do all the right things, we can make life good. And the thing is, even as followers of Jesus, sometimes we can be sucked into that. We can start to believe that. And we can start to believe that, oh, if if I could just do this, and if I could just do that, if I could just experience this or experience that, life would really be good again. Only what God provides can bring the rest, the hope, truly the love for which our hearts actually most long. Our hearts, as one great person put it, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in Him. Well, that's the nature of Advent. It's it's not just about remembering this, this whole story. It's not only about remembering that, yes, Jesus came to a stable in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but we live in anticipation and excitement of the announcement that's made fresh to us again and again. And maybe, just maybe, some of us might be in a place where we really need this good news again. Loved ones, did you know this? Advent is not just about remembering that Jesus came. Advent is about remembering Jesus is coming again. Did you know that? (laughs) Jesus is coming again. Because this is the good news that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he was resurrected, and that's not all of it, he ascended and sits at the right hand of God the Father where he makes intercession constantly for us. And there is coming a day when he will come in his glory to bring to fulfillment and completion the realities of the kingdom of God where everything's made right again. And so we, we are Advent people, that's why. We're not Advent people just because we're remembering a fun story. We're Advent people because we're still actually anticipating the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. It calls for a response. Are we ready? That's the question. That's really what we need to consider today. Are, are we ready for the coming of our King Jesus now, let me just say, and you know, I don't, I'm new, uh, I'm a guest today. I don't know you, I don't know your stories. I, I can suspect that there might even be some here who might be tempted to hear this question. Are you ready to hear it in kind of a harsh way? Right. Th- that'd be the worst way to hear this. Right. Let's not picture, because it's not the case, let's not picture, you know, a, a stern God pointing his finger at us saying, are you ready? Because I'm not sure you're ready. You don't look very ready so easy for us to get that sort of image about God. But that kind of judgmental posture is not the context here of Isaiah's call to readiness. And actually, here's where the psalm reading for this week can help us with this, the Psalm 85 text. It's a wisdom literature text that the church wisely chose to set alongside Isaiah 40 for this second Sunday of Advent. Why? Because Psalm 85 actually shows us how to be ready. 
And the question the psalmist is leading his people to sing is, Lord, will you be angry with us forever? Now listen, that question does not come because God is actually angry and trying to get over it. That question comes because it reflects the reality that as God's people, it's so easy for us to begin to believe that God doesn't like us very much. Listen, that has everything to do with us, very little, if anything, to do with God. <laughs> that's not the question. But, but that's the question that they're asking. Lord, will you be angry? And it's a fair question, but the response comes to God's people from the memory of God's faithful covenant relationship with them. And so God, through the psalmist, says to them, steadfast love, a love that will never end, and faithfulness will meet, righteousness and peace will kiss each other. <laughs> How's that for an image? Righteousness and peace will kiss one another. Now listen, uh, you know, there's a sense in which lament over our brokenness is an appropriate response. Repentance from our wayward ways that's a necessary response. But the truth is that God's steadfast love keeps pursuing us, keeps trying to draw us home, wooing us back into that relationship of covenant love. It's Advent. I have news. The Lord is coming. We need to be ready. But please hear this. Hear this today. Did you know there is nothing you can ever do to make God love you any more than he already does? And there's nothing you can ever do to make God love you any less than what he already does. Thanks be to God. Now, that's good news. <laughs> we could just, we probably ought to just stop right there because that's really good news. But there is a little help here for us. So just a couple things before we close. Because in our text for today from Isaiah, the prophet actually does speak two directive words to help us get ready for Advent, for the Lord's loving pursuit of us. So in verse 3, he says, in the desert, prepare the way. That's the first word. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight a highway for our God. These are the words that are going to be echoed by John the Baptist. So get ready. That's what we need to do when we hear that God is coming. I mean, that's what we do when we hear that relatives are coming to town, right? Uh, we get ready, you know. I mean, the windows get cleaned and, you know, the sheets get washed and the refrigerator gets cleaned out or, you know, whatever it is we do. But or we get ready in other ways. You know, when, uh, as our nephew just did, when a man asks a woman, will you marry me? If she says yes, preparations ensue. I mean, there's a lot to be done. Dates are set and, you know, all of that. There are important things that need to get done when a great day is coming. And Isaiah is telling the people of Israel who had begun to wonder if God would ever be kind to them again. I mean, that's how they felt about it. You've heard the announcement. God is coming. 
Now get ready to receive. Here's what they have to do. They have to face up to the reality of their sin. <laughs> and they have to face up. I mean, no more cover-up. That's what the prophet's saying. No more cover-up here. No more delusions of false security. Stop justifying all this. Well, you know, it's because of what was done to me or it's because of what, it's whatever. Just stop it. It's time for the people of God to face the facts. Here's the fact. Our sins do separate us from the joy and power of God. And the announcement that God is coming in this Advent season, the announcement, part of it is not only calling us to rejoice, part of it is calling us to turn, to repent, to look at some things that maybe are part of our lives and say, you know what, as a follower of Jesus, maybe actually that ought not be part of my life. And maybe with the help of God, I actually need to turn around and forsake that and go another way. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's what the prophet says. The prophet also says, make straight. That's the second part of the word. Make straight that the language there could actually be translated, be honest. <laughs> or be straight. But make straight. Make things straight. Make things straight with the people around you. That's, that's kind of the sense of it. Since he's going to make all things straight and make all things right, we need to participate and get in on that work. So what's the point for us? This morning, I'm just here to ask you to remember and to accept the fact that Advent is a time for honest probing, self-evaluation. Am I ready for the coming of the Lord? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? I wonder, would you be willing with me, I'm in this with you, would you be willing to take an inventory, just a little inventory, even right now as we sit here in the sanctuary? Just take inventory of your relationships with God, with sisters and brothers in Christ, with neighbors. I'm just, some, here's some questions, and these are not, please, I, you don't know me, but I promise you, these are not these kind of questions. I'm, I'm in this with you. I'm asking these questions too. But could we face each one of those openly and honestly? Is everything straight between me and God? If we can't truly say yes, listen, there's time to make things straight. This is a good time to make things straight. Make things straight with God by confessing our sin and asking for his forgiveness and trusting in Jesus to help us to live as he lives. Some of you might need to do that kind of business with God right now, today, before we leave here. But it, but it even goes beyond that. Is everything straight with you and your sisters and brothers in Christ?
Now, that might include your family. That might include your spouse, your children. Is everything straight? Can, can you face them with integrity and faithfulness? Because it matters to God. Because the, the, the closest relationships of our lives, they, they reflect something about the work that God is doing and wants to do in us. Is, is everything straight with you and your neighbor? I mean, who's your neighbor? Well, it might be the person that you go to work with, work next to. It might be that person at school. It might be that actual person that lives in your community there. Can you face them with integrity and, and faithfulness, truthfulness? It matters to God. I'm going to ask the worship team police to come and join me here. If you're willing to do it, I'd like to offer us just a little bit of time to sit with this before the Lord and to pray. Because, loved ones, it's Advent. <laughs> and what that means is not just we're having a fun party or getting ready to have a fun party. Well, that's all true and that's fun. But dear ones, it means Jesus is coming. He's coming. And I want to be ready. Don't you want to be ready? I want to be ready. So let's just maybe use this second Sunday of Advent just to ask him, Lord, am I ready? Lord, would you want to put your finger on anything, on anything in my life that needs to be straightened out? Lord, what would you call me to do? Maybe there's actually a conversation that might need to happen in order to straighten something out. I know that can sound scary, but if God calls you to do it, I promise you, God will give you the grace and strength to do it. He really will. So let's just take this to prayer. Could we do that? Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we hear your call through your prophet, prepare the way for the Lord. And Lord, we thank you and praise you that the good news of the gospel is that you have come and you are coming again. Thank you, Jesus. Because Lord, you know we live in a world that is hurting. And there's so much pain and destruction around us. Sometimes we just feel the weight of that. But Lord, please help us to be people of hope. Help us to be people who have our eyes focused in the right place, not on what might be wrong, but focus clearly on you, the one who is, according to your word, making all things new. So Lord, we want to be Advent people. We want to be ready people. So right now, Jesus, by your spirit, would you please talk to us? Speak to us. Show us how to respond. And we will, Lord, will respond. We promise when you speak, we will we'll say yes and amen to your will and your way because it's all about you, Jesus. Amen.